Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Have you ever felt the panic uh, that comes from knowing, not knowing where your child is? I mean, maybe it was just for a moment or two, maybe it was longer, but there's a panic that sets in when we turn around in a store and we see that they they aren't where they're supposed to be. Or where they, we thought they were. Or maybe even as teenagers, we find out that they are not where they said they would be at the time that they said they would be there. <laughs> and I pray that if you've ever felt this kind of panic, that you also were able to experience the joy when you did locate that child. I do know for some, the ending isn't always a happy one. I've done funerals like that. But in this particular scripture that we're going to talk about this morning... Mary and Joseph, they had this kind of panic when Jesus was a preteen. We don't really know a whole lot about Jesus as a preteen except for this one portion of Scripture. And I want to go over it this morning. It's in Luke 2, 41 through 46. So pull out your phones. How many got their Bibles on their phones? Well, four of you. Five of you. Wow, you guys are lame. Get a Bible app. It's not that hard. Pull out your phones. Pull out your Bibles. Turn to Luke 2, 41 through 46. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. He stayed behind. But his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey, and they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And before we break this scripture down this morning, I want to make a point about it. I think this portion of Scripture is really reminisce of so many others in the Word of God. When it says in verse 43 that Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, it reminds me of so many times throughout Scriptures when the Lord was passing by or leaving the scene or just going about his business. And I'm not saying that he's ab- he abandons those that he loves, but the, uh, the, the Bible never says that he, he, leave, he never leaves us or forsakes us, right? But there's definitely, there are many times in the Bible when it seems like his actions show this indifference or uh, almost like he doesn't care about the people and what they're going through around him. Let me give you some examples. Some of you are like, what are you talking about this morning? Just, just follow me. In Genesis 18, when Abraham was desiring to have a son in his old age, He was standing by his tent, and he looked up, and he saw three men walking by. And because Abraham had a relationship with God, even though this is prior to Jesus being on the face of the earth, Abraham had a relationship with God, right? He knew who God was. And because of that, he recognized one of those men as the Lord. He ran out to them and bowed down and said, "'Please do not pass by your servant.'" The Bible implies that if Abraham would not have said anything to the Lord and stopped him, 
they would have passed right on by. But as it was, Abraham invited them in. They ate with him. They spent time with him. And this is where Abraham was given the assurance from the Lord that his wife, Sarah, would have a son, Isaac. But he was going to pass right on by. In Genesis 32, Jacob wrestles with the Lord. This is another example. He wrestles with the Lord all night. Finally, the Lord, seeing that Jacob would not let go, touched his hip and dislocated it. You guys know the story. Then he said to Jacob, let me go. Now that, that always strikes me because I'm like, why would Jesus ever say, let me go? I mean, we all know he wants us, right? We all know that he pursues us. We all know that he loves it when people run to him and hold on to him with all they have. But here he says to Jacob, let me go. It's interesting. It's very interesting. He says, let me go for the dawn is breaking. But Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. We see this kind of thing again when Jesus was walking by or walking on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples after he was resurrected. They didn't recognize him and they were telling him of all the events surrounding the crucifixion and the resurrection. When they approached the village to which they were going, the Bible says this in Luke 24, 28, he acted as though he was going farther, talking, talking of Jesus. He was gonna keep on walking. And as the story goes on, we see that they pleaded with him because it was late in the evening to stay and, and, and stay with them. And he sat at their table. And it was then, when he was sitting at their table, after pleading with them to come into his house, that Jesus revealed his true identity to them. And the Bible says that their eyes were opened. And I'm not making this up, church. Over and over again, there just seems to be this thing within Jesus' actions that looks like he's preoccupied or even, again, a bit indifferent to the people around him. Probably one of the most famous occurrences of this is when the Canaanite woman asked Jesus to heal her son, and he basically says that he didn't come to serve the dogs, but to serve the children of Israel. She, of course, responds by saying, even the dogs get the crumbs from the master's table. And there are other passages uh, that say that Jesus sent the people away, but, but here's the point. I believe that all of these instances are related to the time when, as a child, Christ was lost by Mary and Joseph. Remember that it says, Jesus stayed behind. And I, I don't know if you can see a pattern here, but there's a definite pattern throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament where the Lord, or Jesus, is just walking on by. And it's interesting. We don't think of him in those terms. I mean, does Jesus have a quirk? Are we justified in feeling like he has left us when our situations and circumstances are so dire that we feel like we will be consumed by them? Is he indifferent to what we're going through? And the answer to these questions is, of course, no, absolutely not. You have to understand these instances in Scripture, it's so helpful to understand that... that um, to remember that, that God is a jealous God. We serve a jealous God. And he said that in his word. I am a jealous God. When you date or when you were dating, anybody remember those days? How many are in those days? 
How many hate answering questions in church? <laughs> you just did. <laughs> Remember when you're dating? Or if you've ever dated? Isn't there something that's just awesome about being pursued by the other person? It screams that you're worth the effort of pursuit. The Lord is no different. It brings worth to him when we pursue him. When he passes by and is seemingly obtuse or indifferent to our situation, there is always this unspoken invitation to come. He's saying, pursue me, follow me, come after me. And just as morality can never be governed, it's got to flow out of a right heart, right? It's a heart thing. Morality comes from the heart. Just like that's true, love cannot be practiced out of some sort of, of sense of duty alone. The love has to be there, church, so real and so deep that, that it prompts this action to pursue God. You're not going to follow him because it's the right thing to do. And let me say this to you loud and clear. Everybody that's here this morning, every person that's watching online this morning, and thank you for being with us. But let me say this and, and hear me today. You will not follow God. You will not follow Christ. You will not have a right relationship with him just because it's the right thing to do. It doesn't work that way. You will pursue him when you love him. That's why your kids don't just automatically have your faith. If it's real, it has to be their own. It's kind of like a mother who lets go of her child when he or she is first learning to walk. It's difficult because she knows her baby's gonna fall. But if she never quits assisting her child, how will he or she ever learn to walk on their own? She loves her child enough to let go. And Jesus loves us enough to kind of walk on by. I'm jealous. Come get me. Come get me. There's this unspoken thing to reach back out. He wants us to. And these situations of Christ passing by or seemingly being obtuse or indifferent, they are not at all as they may seem. In all actuality, they are Christ wooing you to come unto him. And that's when we need to pursue him with everything that's inside of us. Let me ask you a question. Would Abraham and Sarah have had a son in their old age if Abraham would not have, uh, if he would have just let the Lord walk on by? He wouldn't have got that promise. Would Jacob have received the blessing that he did from the Lord if he would have not wrestled with him all night and held on to him? That blessing included his name being changed to Israel and his 12 sons became the 12 tribes of Israel. Would the men who walked with Jesus on the road to Emmaus, would they have, been, uh, would they have become authentic witnesses to his resurrection? They would have never known it was Jesus they walked with if they wouldn't have invited him in. Would the Canaanite woman have received the healing for her daughter if she wouldn't have pressed in and asked for the crumbs after Jesus said it wasn't right to give bread to the dogs? I mean, Jesus called her a dog. And she said, yeah, but give me some crumbs. I can at least have that, can I, as a dog? Would she have got that healing? Probably not. See, when you feel as if Christ has passed you by or his presence has left you and it seems that he is being indifferent to your situation, that is not the time to sit down and whine. That's the time to pursue him. He's using the situation to woo you, church, 
to pull you into himself. He's calling you to himself. But this is where the rubber meets the road for so many within the church. At the first sign of the Lord not doing what you are wanting him to do for you, we jet, we sulk, and we blame God for not caring about us. It never ceases to amaze me. We are either trying to make God our puppet or we are mad because he hasn't forced us to be his. God is not your genie in the bottle. And you have a free will to make your own decisions in life. Don't blame God for your bad decisions. He's not your puppet and you're not his puppet. I've entitled this message, When Christ Gets Lost, because it is in these moments of Jesus seemingly passing by or being indifferent to our situation that we lose him. In our scripture this morning in Luke 2, the reality was that Mary and Joseph lost Jesus. It wasn't that Jesus was actually lost. He was right where he was supposed to be. At 12 years old, he told his mother, do you not know, did you not know, I must be about my father's business? That's what he told her when they found him. But looking at the actions of Mary and Joseph can teach us a few things this morning, things to do and not to do. So first of all, if we go back to that text, we see that this couple was unaware. They were unaware that they were losing Jesus or they had lost him. The first thing we see they did wrong, it's written right in the text. Jesus stayed behind Listen, but his parents were unaware of it. Joseph and Mary were so busy doing business in Jerusalem. They were buying, they were selling, they were making travel arrangements. They were so busy with the same things that we get busy with that without even realizing it, their eyes got off of Jesus and they drifted apart from him. We're kind of just like that, church. We don't intend for it to happen. We're not evil in our hearts or anything like that. But we just get so absorbed in the day-to-day business of life that we gradually let go of him. And it can happen to any Christian no matter what level you are at. And I said level. You understand that there are different levels. There are different grades in your relationship with Christ, right? There are infants in Christ, and there are those who have been maturing and graduating to new levels for decades. And of course, there's everything in between. You know, I, I, uh, I love working outside. I love working with my hands. I love getting dirty. I love physical labor. I think I was built for it. But I love working outside until it gets so dark that you just can't see anymore. Anybody ever done that? The sun goes down, it gets cool. We used to do that when I was a kid. We'd bale hay until like six o'clock and then all the town kids who were kind of helping, they got sent home and then my brother and I would bale a lot longer. Probably till midnight, stacking the wagons back up. But the coolness of the evening would, would settle in and it would just get darker and darker and darker and darker. And I loved being outside working during that. The light becomes gradually dimmer until you can't, effectively get anything done but you don't really notice how dark it's getting until the light is just altogether gone and whenever this happens to me i go into the house and i'm i'm always amazed at how bright it is in there 
Then I look out the window and I can't believe how dark it is. It was so gradual, I, I didn't even notice. How was I even working out there? It's so dark. That's how it is when we get so busy and wrapped up in our day-to-day -day lives. It happens gradually, church, and we don't even know it. The light grows dim within us, and we miss the fact that it can, it, that light can no longer lead us anywhere. It's just not there. And it's not that he is lost. It's that we have let go of him. This very thing happened to Samson. Scripture tells us that he got up one morning and didn't even know that the Holy Spirit had left him. We get caught up in our hobbies. We get caught up in our extracurricular activities. That's one uh, blessing that we can say is the result of COVID-19 is that we've had to cut off a lot of the extracurricular activities and they don't distract us nearly as much as they used to. That could be a good thing. We get caught up in the things that entertain us. Some of us have stopped uh, the extracurricular activities and now we're just binge watching all these shows. That's not very healthy either, by the way. We get focused on our relationships, on our own dreams, and even the world events happening all around us. We get caught up in our careers and a mountain of other things. And all the while, we are gradually letting go of him and without even knowing it, Christ gets lost to us. And you may be hearing me today and saying to yourself, well, that's not me. Jesus is very important to me, and I haven't lost him in the slightest. Hear me, church. There's going to be plenty of people who think that, who believe that, and are going to be left holding the bag when Jesus comes back. Why am I preaching this way? I just want you to be ready. I don't want you to miss a beat. I don't want you to miss a step. I want you to be charging forward in the things of God not going backwards, not trying to maintain something that you've had, but try to obtain what you've never achieved yet in him. There's going to be a great departure of the faith in the last days. You've heard me preach about it in, in even recent weeks, but 1 Timothy 4.1, but the Spirit explicitly says that in latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. You're okay. Your relationship it, it, with Jesus. It's, it's, it's fine. It's good. It, it's, it's, it's good. You're okay. Are you growing? Are you obtaining? Are you pressing in? Are you closer to him today than you were yesterday? Is your intimacy level growing more and more every single week? Or can you look back 10 years and say, yep, yeah, I'm kind of in the same place. If you're honest, some of us can actually say that, that we can look back 10 years and say, we haven't grown much at all. We're doing the same thing we did back then. Now, I'm not trying to judge anybody today. I'm not trying to pick on anybody. But how many know with a, a, and you can answer this, this is not a rhetorical question, you can say amen to this if you want. How many know that it's easy to just maintain? To have that mindset. Well, here's the truth. You can't maintain anything. You're either going backwards or you're going forwards. Second Timothy 3, 1 through 5 says a similar thing. But realize this, that in the last days, difficult times will come. For men will be lovers of self. 
Ugh. Lovers of money, boastful, arrogant, revilers, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power, avoid such men as these. And yes, avoid them, but certainly don't become them. You can lose Christ gradually by letting all the things in life just sort of take over. This departure isn't going to happen in an instant. You're not going to wake up one morning and all of a sudden, I don't like God anymore. It doesn't happen like that. It's a gradual thing. As your love for Christ grows cold, it will happen without you even noticing it. Hear me, church. It's not time to just hear another sermon and sing another song about how God's going to bless you. He desires to bless you, yes, but many who are listening to me this morning have a relationship with Christ like that fading sunset. It's getting dimmer and dimmer, and sooner or later, they're not going to be able to see a thing. I'm calling you to revive and rekindle that love in your heart for Jesus where you just want to spend time with him every single day, that you can't go a whole day without talking to him where you can't go a whole day without opening up his word and and just bathing yourself in the words of life someone said to me pastor barry every message you preach goes back to you got to pray and you got to read the word <laughs> yep because until everybody starts doing it i'm gonna keep preaching it Relationship with him. Relationship with him. Rekindle that fire in your heart for Jesus. Don't let him be lost to you because you're so focused on everything else. There are a lot of important things that you got to do in this life. I get that. None of them are as important as holding on tight to Jesus. Secondly, Mary and Joseph. First, they were unaware. Secondly, Mary and Joseph, they, they kept the status quo. Unaware of where Jesus was, the Bible says that they supposed him to be in the caravan and they continued on for a whole day's journey. I read that and just meditated on it a little bit. I was like, that is just crazy. The reaction to realizing that they lost their child was to keep going on for a whole day's journey. We, however, you know, we do the same thing. And God poked me a little bit and said, yeah, you do the same thing. We're continually reminded through the preaching we hear and the praise and worship music we listen to and the Christian camaraderie that we have with our brothers and sisters in Christ, we are reminded to hold on to him, to firm up our relationship with him and not to let go, but we hold to our status quo and we remain on the path that is leading us away from him. We happily keep going down our path supposing that he hasn't left us because he would never do that. But all the while, we are actually leaving him. I don't get why we do this, but I think every person has been guilty of this at some time in their life. We mess up, and we get on those paths. We sin, and we get on those paths that lead away from Christ. We don't want to get off them. We just stay on them. Even when we realize that we are on the wrong path, we just maintain our status quo and keep walking away from where Christ is at. 
Christians who get caught up in extramarital, extramarital affairs. And you can't convince them to stop. I know it's wrong, but just one more bite of that forbidden fruit, and I'll, then I'll turn around and go back to where Jesus is. Besides, my spouse doesn't just, my, my spouse just, just, she just doesn't, or he just doesn't love me the way I deserve to be loved. And Jesus understands that about me. Believers who fudge on their taxes and even have shady business practices. It may be wrong, but the government takes too much of my money. I may be taking advantage of my neighbor in business, but there's other people who would take advantage of them more. I'm actually doing them a favor because I'm not taking advantage of them as much. We have all sorts of weird, goofy ideas that float in our head that justify why we want to stay in the status quo of our sin. When you choose to do what is wrong and you continue to justify your actions and make excuses of why it's not bad or why it's not as bad, you are losing Jesus in your life. And to continue down those paths is like playing with fire. The whole time Mary and Joseph continued on for a day's journey, they were getting further and further away from Jesus. Just keep the status quo. It'll be okay. Church, can I I just say hellfire is real? It is real. Young people, if you ever hear someone say, oh, hell is just an idea that the church invented to scare you into acting right, Hell is real. It was not a place prepared for you. It was prepared for the devil and all of his cohorts. But you can choose to go there if you want. God gives us that choice. It is a real place. God loves us. But he will let you walk away and lose him if that's your choice. He's so holy that sin can't be in its midst. That's why we have forgiveness available to us through the cross. Sin will always separate you from God. Sinful paths always lead you further and further away, never closer to Christ. Mary and Joseph didn't necessarily sin in what they did, but they kept the status quo. They kept walking away from Jesus. Third thing they did, they looked to others. In our scripture this morning, it says that they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. This after they had traveled, again, a day's journey without knowing where he was. Isn't it interesting how we kind of do that same thing, church? We lose sight of Jesus in our lives and we suppose that we can find him with our family, our Christian brothers and sisters. We lose sight of Jesus, we let go of him a little bit, so we come to church and we think we're okay because of it. I I like this statement, I've made it before. Being in church doesn't make you a Christian any more than being in a garage makes you a car. Watching online in your PJs this morning doesn't make you a Christian. I'm glad you're here. Our Christian brothers and sisters, our family, they're awesome, right? They can be such a source of strength for us, 
I, I don't know what I would do without my Christian family, to be real honest. But without taking anything away from the importance of the vital relationship that we have with one another, because you know I'm a unity guy, I talk about the strength of one another, leaning on each other, it's important, right? Without taking anything away from that, you won't find the Christ you lost by merely hanging with your Christian family. And it's easy to appease our conscience when we have wandered from the faith by just attending church. Hear me, attending church is great. I'm not dissing that, it's important. But you can literally fool yourself into believing that you have a firm grip on Jesus by just always hanging out with others that do. If it's not real within your own heart, no amount of hanging out with those who have Christ will change the fact that you don't. Matthew 7, 22 through 23. Reminds me of this scripture. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles and then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Why is there scriptures like that in the Bible? Because they're truth. Because we appease our own conscience by hanging out in the church and hanging out with Christians and patting ourselves on the back and saying, I'm a good Christian. I go to church every Sunday. Well, whoopity dee da do. Have you submitted to Jesus? Because that's what matters. It's a submission to him and all that he is. It don't matter if you're in church or not. I think it's great you're in church. You should be. That's where we need to be. I'm not downplaying church, but at the same time, I'm not telling you that you get to a free pass because you showed up. Is this too heavy this morning? Are you hearing me today? Hearing my heart? Oh, the people that I've met Over the last 28 years of ministry, so many just loved to hang out around the cross and around God's people, and they, it made them feel good. But they never learned to pick up their own cross and follow the Lord themselves. Here today, gone tomorrow. Excited about Jesus this week. Don't want nothing to do with him a month from now. And that brings me to what Mary and Joseph did right. Number four, they turned around. That's what it says. It says that right in our text, verse 45, when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. They turned around. And they went back to Jerusalem. This turning around can be compared to the definition of repentance, which is turning from, or it's taking a 180-degree turn. When they couldn't find Jesus after they lost him, they turned around and they found him. Verse 46, Then after three days they found him in the temple. If you were in that place in which you have lost your grip on your Savior, maybe you have been so distracted in life and it is just gradually happened over time. Maybe you, you, you know it and it just seems easier to keep the status quo. 
Or maybe you've been fooling yourself by just keeping up the appearances and hanging out with your brothers and sisters, your Christian kinfolk. But you know, deep down inside, you know this in your heart. Some of you know this who are hearing my voice, or God wouldn't have given me this message today. You know deep down in your, in your heart that you're spiritually bankrupt. You've been on the decline for quite some time. Mary and Joseph, as close as they were to Jesus, they were his parents, for goodness sakes, didn't find him until they turned around. Notice it was just the two of them that turned around, the rest of the caravan, their family, their friends, their relatives. They kept going. They didn't join them in turning around. Church, I want to tell you something. Christ hasn't left you. I don't care what you're going through. Christ has not left you. It's easy to blame him, but when he seems distant or even indifferent to our circumstance, it's not him that needs to change. It's us. We need to be self-aware enough to see that we've drifted, we've let go of him. And if we keep the status quo, we'll continue to gradually lose him. You're not going to magically restore your relationship with him by merely hanging out with his people. As good as that is, you have to turn around. And until you do, there'll be no growth, spiritual growth in your life. You're not going to flourish in your faith. You'll just stay in that stupid rut that you've been in for so long. Come on. Let's not settle for a mediocre existence when God has given us everything we need to be victorious and blessed. God wants us on fire for him. Church, we're living in some times that are crazy. I'm tired of talking about how times are crazy. You know what I want to talk about? I want to talk about how on fire God's people are getting. We're getting fired up because we are absolutely 100% in love with him, pursuing him with everything we have. And when we do that, awesome, great, marvelous things happen. Miracles begin to happen. Church is time to rise up and be the church. For the men of God to stand up and be men. For women to stand up and be women. I said that with more power because I thought the men would. For men to be men. All right, a little better. For the church, for God's people to lead the way and not be the, the tail. I think uh, that whole story of Mary and Joseph is just a picture to us today. Let's pray. If you bow your heads. Lord God, I thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that we've come into your house. We've worshiped together. We've praised you, Lord. We've hugged necks. We've shaken hands. We've, we've, we've met together as your word tells us we should. Father, this morning, we want more than just another Sunday service. We want all of your blessings. We want all that you have for us. We want to be on fire for you. We want to have that vital relationship with you.
intimacy. If there's anyone here this morning and you've never asked Jesus into your heart, that's where it all starts. Would you just slip up your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I've never asked him in, but I want him. I want Jesus. Is there anybody like that here today? Okay, I see that hand. Is he in others? All right. And for those of you online, if you need to make some things right with Jesus, this is the time to do it. Jump on a chat and talk to one of our ministers that's online. They'll lead you in a prayer. And you can pray with us right now because I'm going to have us all pray for the one person that raised their hand. So let's pray together. Lord God, I come before you with all of my sin, with all my guilt. Come into my heart. Make me new. Change me from the inside out. Give me a radical relationship with you. I love you. And I thank you for dying on the cross for me. If you prayed that prayer from your heart and you asked him in, the Bible says you are born again. Your spirit, man, becomes alive. It's an awesome thing that so many of us have experienced. But then we have to walk in it. We have to walk in that relationship. We have to follow through with our decisions. Church today, Let's make a decision to follow through in making Jesus the most important thing in our lives. To not become unaware of him drifting away from us. To, to, to not continue on a, a path of status quo that just keeps leading us further and further away. And to not, definitely not, uh, try to just make look good or make, us, make ourselves look good by hanging out with church people. It's got to be real. It's got to be real. But let's turn around and get back to that place where we know we can be, that place where we should be. I love this church. I love this congregation. I hope you don't think me as judgmental this morning. I just have a feeling, uh, I just, I, I just know what a hundred 400, 500 people on fire for God could do to a city. Man, I want to see it. I'm tired of reading about it. I want to see it. It starts here, starts here, but the radical change we could see because we're just taking that real, authentic relationship with Jesus wherever we go. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.